Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.07 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 27th of October. Could be Shocktober. I don't know. 2020. This is episode 310 of Bitcoin. And may the stupid always be with you. Yeah, we're going to get into a bunch of that. Uh, but first, uh, let's uh, let's clear up some... Uh, uh, commu- let's go into some community news. There's not much, so I'm just going to skip. doing the break in between but apparently jack dorsey of twitter and square fame is going to be speaking at uh the bitcoin conference uh bitcoin 2021 uh that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting i i gotta say i mean you know it's like it's like a love hate relationship with jack dorsey because he allows twitter to do the stupidest shit and yet you know, he's doing really cool stuff with Bitcoin and Square. So it's like, I don't know if it's the guy you love to hate, but if he is, he's going to be talking at you if you're going to go to the Bitcoin conference. That, again, is going to happen sometime in April 2021, if this freaking nonsense ever clears up, but whatever. Uh, speaking of nonsense and the stupid being ever with you, Bitcoin wallet provider Ledger is compromised again by a malicious phishing attack. Anton Tarasov is going to tell us about it for, uh, from uh, CryptoBriefing.com. The famed hardware wallet manufacturer Ledger has suffered from a phishing attack. The event may be connected to the leak of the company's customer data back in July of 2020. There have been several reports mentioning a phishing email, which some Ledger users received. The fraudulent notice warned users of a security breach on October 24th, 2020, which put people's crypto at risk. Victims of the malicious email were then urged (laughs) to visit a link and update firmware on Ledger devices. The link tool uses a phishing website with a .io domain extension instead of the authentic .com C-O-M, domain. The malware hosted on the fraudulent site can reportedly give hackers access to a user's private keys and allow them to steal all their crypto. At the time of writing, the phishing website is down. Ledger quickly reacted to the attack, sending customers a warning message about phishing attempts and making a website statement. Ledger's case once again highlights the vulnerabilities of centralized setups for unencrypted data storage. Echoes of a single attack may continue to surface further as scammers can reuse customers' data like names, email addresses, and phone numbers endlessly. A valuable lesson hardware wallet users can take away from this is remembering the famous crypto adage, don't trust verify, each time they receive a request asking for sensitive information. Yeah, just don't do it. And that goes with, that's not just hardware wallets, man. That's like, that's like anything. You know, I, I get, uh, I'm somehow or another, I don't get as much through my personal Gmail account as I used to get through my work email account. I mean, it was like, it's like a .edu email is like prime pickings for just, I don't know, man, people just falling for shit. I used to get all, like at least, at least one a day, honestly, from some thing that I've never signed up for, I've never heard of, and somehow, or no, but one, one almost got me <clears throat> because I was an employee of Texas Tech University. I was a state employee, and somehow or another, somebody fashioned an email that looked almost exactly like the kind of email that you would get from human resources at Texas Tech University telling you about your benefits. That one was, that one was scary. That one, like that, that snaked a lot of people because it's like, oh, nobody ever thinks about scamming you through somehow or another talking about benefits. Yeah, they'll do anything. 
they'll do anything at all, man. So watch out. Be really careful and be careful with this ledger shit. One uh, last thing to say about this ledger thing. Um, <clears throat> I did not get a ledger email, which means that the 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 ledger hack I think got data that was stored after 2016, and somehow or another, stuff before that may not have been compromised. And I say may not have been compromised because it's I'm not going to tell you that it wasn't. I don't know. I don't work for Ledger, but one thing that I can tell you is that I bought a hardware wallet before 2016. I have not gotten an email. And I did definitely use uh, a Gmail account for that. So take that for what it's worth. But anyway, yeah, be be really careful. Um, shots fired across the bow. Remember how we uh, always say the, the shot heard around the world? Was that the shot of the American Revolution and it was heard around the world? You might want to listen up to this one because this one not only was it heard around the world, it, I think it actually entered into the heart of the beast. Uh, crypto user moves $1.1 billion in Bitcoin. Turner Wright for Cointelegraph says, With Bitcoin's price continuing to hold close to $13,000, one crypto wallet has moved more than $1 billion of the digital asset. That's billion with a B. Billion dollars. According to on-chain data, a Bitcoin wallet holder moved more than 88,857 BTC, worth roughly $1.15 billion for a fee of 0.0002784 BTC, or about 350 at time of publication. The coins were confirmed in block, uh, let's see, 654,364 on October the 26th. Data from the analytics platform Crystal Blockchain appears to show that the user sent the coins from an address labeled as an Zappo Bitcoin wallet. Because Coinbase Custody acquires, acquired Zappos institutional business in 2019, it is possible that the $1.1 billion in Bitcoin originated from the U.S.-based exchange. The transaction is the largest movement of any cryptocurrency by fiat value with the Bitfinex exchange setting the previous record in April where it transferred 161 B, sorry 161,500 BTC <clears throat> which was 1.1 billion dollars at the time for a fee of only 68 cents tried doing that with gold <laughs> neither of these transactions were actually the largest amount of bitcoin to ever be moved that honor goes to 550,000 BTC transaction made on November the 16th, 2011 by the Mt. Gox Exchange, worth $1.32 million, with an M. <clears throat> that amount of Bitcoin could be liquidated for more than $7 billion, with a B, dollars today. Let that sink in. So, yeah, $1.15 billion was moved, God only knows where, for $3.50. Again, Try doing that with gold. You know what? Let's find out how much that might cost with gold. Now, if I have done the math correctly, and, you know, dude, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm probably not doing the math correctly, so don't get all over me if I screw this up. But it looks to me like $1.15 billion is about 604,428 ounces of gold. That's 37,776 pounds. Let me say that again. To move $1.15 billion of value, if you're going to choose gold as your medium of exchange, you're going to have to move 37,776 pounds of gold. I'm not even, even going to spend my time looking for how much shipping cost on that is because I can tell you what it already is. A shit ton. In fact, it's a metric shit ton. In this particular case, it's clearly several tons. If you divide 37,776 by 2,000 pounds, or I guess you could go to a metric ton by 2 point, was it 2.2 thousand pounds, I think is what a metric ton is. Anyway, it's going to cost you a metric shit ton. <clears throat> and I, I think at last count, it was something like $15,000 to send one pound of weight into low Earth orbit. I may be very wrong on that one too, but could you imagine if it's right? 
one pound is $15,000. You ain't going to be using gold on the space station, man. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. But, you know, whatever. Um, and I guess I should should probably pause here and give a shout out to Peter Schiff. Uh, looks like he's get. It looks like he is getting railroaded on this uh, whole on his whole bank thing. Now he may be a dick, and he may be absolutely unapologetic about not even trying to understand what Bitcoin is. But he is probably still getting railroaded by the authorities. This looks a lot like how his daddy went down. It was money laundering and uh, tax evasion. So. You know, I I know I'm really hard on Peter Schiff. A lot of us are, but you know, probably time to bury that hatchet and and at least wish him, you know, wish him the best. Even though he's a dick, okay, I know that. But let's continue on. Helen Parts is going to tell us about Liberty X launching Bitcoin to cash sales at ATMs in the United States, courtesy of Coin Telegraph, sometime early this morning. Liberty X, a major retail network of Bitcoin ATMs in the United States, is expanding Bitcoin sales options at thousands of its ATMs. According to an October 26th announcement, Liberty X has enabled a Bitcoin cash-out feature at 5,000 regular ATMs across the United States. As such, consumers can now sell Bitcoin for cash at any of the participating ATMs. Liberty X CEO and co-founder Chris Yim said that previously the firm software only supported Bitcoin purchases with debit cards. The latest edition allows uh, hodlers to receive cash for selling their Bitcoin, which clearly discounts them as a hodler, but whatever. Yim noted <clears throat> that Bitcoin has reached new yearly highs. Quote, with the run-up in price of Bitcoin, consumers are looking for a way to sell Bitcoin without dealing with wire or bank delay transfers. Uh, or bank delayed transfers, Jim said. The Bitcoin sale feature is supported by a limited number of ATMs in the United States compared to Bitcoin purchases. Yim continued, quote, while it's never been easier to buy Bitcoin, selling is another story. <clears throat> there are almost 15,000 Bitcoin ATMs across the United States, but fewer than 2,000 allow consumers to sell Bitcoin for cash. Our cash out product deployed across 5,000 ATMs triples the number of Bitcoin ATMs where consumers can sell Bitcoin furthering our mission of putting Bitcoin on every block, end quote. Bitcoin sales at ATMs comes with their own fees. According to data from Liberty X's help desk, the consumer fee at Bitcoin ATMs by Liberty X is, jeez, 8%. God, do we skin them and how? Yim said that Liberty X's BTC price is based on an index of exchanges tracking closely to Coinbase's consumer prices. Liberty X came under the media spotlight in October 2020, shortly after reports claimed that the Tesla Fremont Gigafactory in Nevada had an operational Bitcoin ATM. Liberty X representatives told Cointelegraph that the company enabled BTC sales bye, bye, bye. and purchases sell, sell, sell. at three employee accessible ATMs at, at Tesla in August of 2020. So there, there, there you go, man. There's, there's that one for you. Uh, make sure I didn't screw this up. Hold on. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I pretty much screwed that up. Don't worry. It's just, I read the last story that I was going to read. Uh, that was supposed to be the very last thing that I read. And somehow I read it first. Well, whatever. Why Wyoming's governor supports the state's crypto banking law. This is Coindesk's Nathan D. Camillo. It took two years of infrastructure building, but on September the 16th, the Wyoming Division of Banking finally landed a prominent pioneer. That's when Kraken Financial became the first entity to receive a special purpose depository inst institution charter in the cowboy state, giving the cryptocurrency industry insight into roughly how long it takes to become a bank. It's also the first newly char chartered de novo bank the state has approved since 2006, while Kraken Financial still has some hoops to jump through before it <clears throat> has a certificate of authority to operate. Wyoming is running to keep its lead in the digital asset space. And it's a priority shared by the state's top elected official, Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon. The biggest challenge going forward for the state's lead in the blockchain space will be seeing how the federal government responds to the regulatory scheme the state is creating, Gordon told Coindesk. Wyoming's SPDI, or SPDI charter, could still be affected by the United States Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, or the OCC, Future decisions on national banks, safeguarding crypto, and by other decisions Congress makes in response to large projects like Facebook's Libra. 
Quote, we don't want to wait until an MIT or a Facebook does something, Gordon told Coindesk in an interview. We really have the opportunity here, end quote. I'm really thankful that Kraken looked past Los Angeles and really understood that a small state, business-friendly, great tax environment was the place to bring new innovation, Gordon said. The state and prominent Washington, D.C.-based consulting firm Promontory Financial are leveraging current federal financial institutions' examinations councils' manuals, God, such as the Bank Secrecy Act. That includes guidance for bank examiners on how to question banks that handle digital assets. Quote, while we knew early on that we had supervisory manuals available from federal agencies and our in-house procedures, no one really had blended the two together. It could push a 500-page document, said Wyoming Banking Commissioner Albert Forkner. Forkner. <laughs> After the first round of exams, the manual will be revised to ensure consumer protections without stifling innovation, Forkner said. Fortner went on to say that the Wyoming Division of Banking will work to ensure state law is not too dissimilar from what the federal government does in the future so that Wyoming doesn't cause confusion for banks. The level of exposure the SPDI charter is giving Wyoming is significant, Fortner said. The state has no foreign bank presence and not many branches from other state banks. Of the roughly 30 state chartered banks in Wyoming, most of them are holding under $1 billion in assets. Quote, if you think about traditional banks, unless you're a niche bank, they all have similar activities. These companies have different markets and targets, Fortner said. Among traditional bankers, there's not a lot of attention to the SPDI charter because it's a special purpose institution, said Silvergate CEO Alan Lane. It doesn't get a lot of headlines because there's no FDIC insurance behind it, Fortner said of SPDIs. Everyone who is interested in digital assets recognizes Kraken's name, and Kraken has various licenses around the world. Having more banking options in the space will mean crypto investors and firms won't have to worry about being de-risked in the future. Access to the Federal Reserve wire system is one of the differentiators for banks and one of the reasons that fintechs and cryptocurrency exchanges need banking partners, Lane said. Most players in this ecosystem, especially if you've been in it for a while, they want to have diversity, they want to have redundancy in their banking partnerships, end quote. SPDIs won't compete on every level with Silvergate because of the inability to lend, Lane added. While the crypto industry will have fully reserved banks to turn to, Kraken and new entrants like Avanti won't be able to offer products like SEN Leverage, a Bitcoin-backed lending program that Silvergate just finished piloting. As SPDIs wait for the Federal Reserve Bank in Kansas City to determine if it will provide the newly chartered banks with Fed master accounts, Silvergate is willing to work with the de novo banks on payments. Quote, a year or so ago, we started a correspondent banking effort to work with other banks that are providing cryptocurrency-related banking services in other countries. It's certainly possible that we could help them get started, Lane said. <clears throat> Wyoming's SPDI charter could play a role in new financial innovation in the state at a time when the state has been economically depressed. Gordon said he believes digital assets could play a role in financing environmentally sustainable uh, sustainability efforts. For instance, blockchain could offer a better venue for trading carbon credits which are tokens that give companies the right to emit a certain amount of carbon. Jesus, are we still falling for this shit? That, I, it's not going to help. Quote, one of the challenges we saw on the West Coast this year is that energy markets started to break down a little bit as people got very possessive. There's opportunity for blockchain innovation in a renewable world where you can start to sell energy and get energy back, Gordon said. So... The stupidity there notwithstanding, this is good for Wyoming. It's probably good for Kraken. It'll be interesting to see how uh, this this holds up. But notice how they talked about not really being able to lend. Well, next one up in the stack is more stuff, a little bit of clarification and more information about HODL HODL's new Bitcoin lending platform. And it looks like it's about to ignite Bitcoin DeFi. Oh. Oh, joy. I just can't wait. Let's find out what Will Heesman says about it for BTC Times. He's writing this one sometime yesterday. Last week, peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin trading platform Huddle Huddle unveiled Lend, a Bitcoin-centric lending platform promised to recast Bitcoin's lending sector by scrapping fiat, KYC, and custody. Capitalizing on the rise of decentralized finance, Lend opts for a peer-to-peer non-custodial paradigm in which users can collateralize Bitcoin to borrow a host of stablecoins, 
all without the trouble of going through KYC. Quote, we've been non-custodial and non-KYC as a result since inception, Hodel Hodel CEO Max Kaidun told the VTC Times, being non-custodial means the platform neither holds the funds nor processes them. Instead, loans occur directly between users. For propagators of the mantra, not your keys, not your Bitcoin, this feature couldn't be more important. <clears throat> As a result, Lend forgoes KYC checks simply because it lacks the required data which would otherwise demand KYC. This, says Kaidun, means Lend is exempt from regulation in most jurisdictions, if not all. Now, let's be careful with that, okay? For Whale Panda, an angel investor who counts Hodel Hodel as part of his portfolio, the lack of KYC helps streamline the lending process. Quote, it's how we used to do business before the banks made us jump through so many hoops and so much paperwork, he said, speaking to the BTC Times. Instead of digging out passports and recent utility bills, scanning and waiting for approval, he argues users can just take a look at the offers and accept or reject. Quote, this offers a great alternative to the existing projects, but the people concerned about their privacy and for people who just want to do smaller amounts. <clears throat> but KYC isn't just a nuisance or a hindrance to privacy, says Whale Panda. The problem runs much deeper. He explained that access to basic financial services can be, can be completely cut off from people living under an authoritarian or restrictive rule. Peer-to-peer -peer services help alleviate the issue by enabling unrestricted trade removed from central control quote these people aren't criminals or don't have bad intentions they're just people who happen to live in a country that's on a subjective blacklist and they're just trying to survive and make a living whale panda continued along with kyc kaidun has decided to give fiat the boost as well instead lind leverages oh sorry the boot he's giving fiat the boot okay lend at leverages stable coins which kaidun believes add more value than fiat primarily due to their peer-to-peer -peer nature it's this jettison of fiat the absence of kyc and lends fixed interest rates <clears throat> that were the most intriguing to whale panda quote with interest rates being at an all-time all low everywhere in the world and the rise in popularity and legitimacy of stable coins there's a huge potential market for this platform every other platform or service out there has a vi variable interest rate that can be changed at any given moment here you agree at the time of the start of the loan on a fixed interest rate and it can't be changed end quote <clears throat> lend isn't the only bitcoin lending platform out there in fact bitcoin's borrowing and lending ecosystem has been around for far longer than the ethereum dominated DeFi sector would have anyone believe the first peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin lending platform, BTC Jam, popped up circa 2012, almost two years before Ethereum was even a glint in Vitalik Buterin's eye. BTC Jam facilitated Bitcoin-denominated P2P loans globally, catering specifically to those without access to financial services and, akin to Lend, removed itself from the privacy-prohibitive KYC constraints. In the years since, other platforms have arisen, offering their own twist on Bitcoin finance. One of the most popular among them is BlockFi, a crypto lending platform with over $1.5 billion in assets under its belt. In August, the company managed to land $50 million in funding. The round, led by the Anthony Pompliano founded Morgan Creek Capital, along with participation from VC big shots such as Winklevoss Capital, marks the firm's third in the space of a year. BlockFi acts similarly to a traditional bank, allowing customers to collateralize cryptocurrencies against a USD-denominated loan. But the similarities don't end there. Much like traditional banks, BlockFi remains mired by centralization. In May, this manifested in a data breach. While BlockFi avoided any financial loss, the same couldn't be said for customer KYC data, building a better case for decentralization. While Lens P2P and KYC absent model goes some way to avoid a repeat of this, even Kai Dune admits that due to the platform's centrally held website, Lend is not truly decentralized. Quote, we have a website, which is obviously one of the risks. We're not software, Kai Dune explained candidly. However, he reveals that decentralization is a work in progress and talks are ongoing with developers to build a distributed platform for Lend in the future. Well, that's Future better come damn quick before you guys get hosed down. All right, so anything to say about this? Yeah, I'm not all that excited about DeFi on Bitcoin. I, I mean, unless it, unless it starts to resemble something that makes sense, because what doesn't make sense is 
the way that it works now on Ethereum, which is apparently I buy a token and somehow or another I use that token to farm other tokens, which in turn are used to farm yet more tokens. And nowhere in this relationship does a home mortgage fall out of it, a car loan, small business loan. I mean, something that, you know, finance is used to do. It just looks like a circle jerk of the very worst kind. And if the harvest.finance hack isn't, you know, is anything to go by, then anybody who's anywhere close to this space is going to get jacked. So I don't know how Lind, you know, how Lind is going to do it. And there's also, from what I understand, there's also something uh, in the works for uh, the Liquid Network. So uh, anyway, it'll be, well, actually, HODL HODL is probably going to be using the Liquid Network. Uh, come to think of it in either event i hope this doesn't look like like yield farming honestly if it's if it's just a a batch of yield farming shit then the cringe factor just got multiplied by like a million because it's like oh god you're copying ethereum really if you need if we need to copy ethereum to you know for anything then we're we're probably floating on the wrong boat I mean, that probably sounds horrible saying, and I probably phrased it the wrong way considering that it is only 6.35 in the morning. But dude, I don't want to copy any of the bullshit that's going on on Ethereum because that that whole Rube Goldberg machine is exactly that, a Rube Goldberg machine. But what is not a Rube Goldberg machine is mining. And apparently Marathon buys more ant miners to become a top US Bitcoin miner. David Jones has this one from Decrypt.co and says, Marathon Patent Group Incorporated, a leading self-mining firm in the Bitcoin space, has entered a contract with Bitmain to buy another 10,000 next-generation Antminer S9 Pro ASIC miners. I hope they work. (laughs) There's a lot of failures on the S19s, man. Marathon said the agreement would give the company 23,560 miners, making it the largest self-miner in the region with a total hash rate of 2.56 exahashes per second. That would place it in the top 15 mining groups worldwide. The agreement marks the latest in a series of recent buy Marathon to boost mining capacity and comes at a time when the price of Bitcoin has seen a resurgence. Quote, we entered into the transaction as a continuation of recently publicly announced initiatives, all of which we believe have the potential to result in value creation for our shareholders, the company told Decrypt via email. Quote, the rise in Bitcoin has certainly increased our confidence in our existing growth plans. In August, the company announced a $23 million deal with Bitmain to buy 10,500 S19 Pros, which it called a milestone event. The firm said the August agreement would bring the company's operations to 13,520 Next generation miners upon completion, generating 1.55 exahashes. In late August, Marathon announced an all-stock purchase of fast block mining in a deal that it said would lower the cost of mining Bitcoin by more than half. However, the agreement fell apart in September when the parties were unable to reach a long-term power agreement at acceptable rates. Earlier this month, Marathon announced a joint venture with Beowulf Energy, for a 105 megawatt Bitcoin mining data center, it expects the data center to generate 1.26 exahashes per second by the second quarter of 2021 with an option to expand to 3.32 exahashes per second. The deal will lower the company's aggregate mining costs for electricity and data center management by 38%, according to the spokesperson, and make the company far more resilient if the price of Bitcoin should drop in the future. That said... The company says Bitcoin prices are very favorable to its operations, particularly after the recently purchased miners are installed. Quote, the underlying price of Bitcoin will always play a major role in our ultimate revenues and profitability, but we believe our position as the current largest self-miner in North America positions us well for the future, it said. The company believes running a successful operation comes down to two things, increasing power output and reducing the cost to produce Bitcoin and it plans plans to continue pursuing that strategy. Jesus. That's almost as bad as saying the price of Bitcoin could go up or it could go down. That's a huge, well-duh movement, man. Anyway, let's run the numbers.
Okay, energy futures. Apparently oil took a larger dump throughout the day. It plunged past 40 and right now it's at $38.96 for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate. But that is a change of percentage by 1.04%. Brent North Sea seeing the same type of rise. It's at $40.85. Natural gas, meh, it's just kind of moving sideways. $3.03 for a thousand cubic feet of that. Gold is down 0.07%. It's going to open at like $1,904, something like that. Silver is up a scant. This is basically, we're talking meh numbers. I mean, I wish I could just say that the number was meh. All right. Like the color, what's the color of meh? Indices. Meh. I mean, we're talking up almost half a point across the board. Dow futures up 0.4, S&P futures up 0.43, NASDAQ futures up 0.48, S&P mini is up 0.41. So the bloodbath is going to be alleviated just a little bit. But honestly, after the 650 point drop of the Dow Jones yesterday, (laughs) God only knows what's actually going to happen. Futures sometimes, actually many times, don't really mean dick. But it's all I got because it's 6 o'clock in the morning. Real money, however, never sleeps. Bitcoin at 13,281. I got a high at BitAsset. Probably at BitAsset. No, it's actually not at BitAsset. It's at Coinbase, or no, GDAX at 13,461. That's that's a lot. So the uh, number, the 13,281 is in fact the low. 231,000 transactions have been performed in the last 24 hours. Apparently, along with that massive send of $1.1 billion, uh, that's 9,639 transactions every hour on the hour. 2.3 million BTC have been sent in the last 24 hours. That's $30.9 billion worth of uh, fiat, dirty fiat cash. 97,000 BTC are being sent on average per hour. There's 10 BTC being sent as the average transaction value, while the median transaction value is 0.055 BTC, or about $731. Block times are excessively high. 15 minutes and 30 or 29 seconds. That's five and a half minutes longer than expected. Apparently, we are having <clears throat> China's uh, miners are basically packing up and going home right now because the rainy season has officially come to the end <clears throat> and cheap hydroelectric power is not as available and plentiful as it once was during the summer season. This always happens. Like every, at the end of every summer, we see the same shit, okay? It's nothing to freak out about, so don't freak out about it. But 1.57 BTC are being taken fees on a per block basis, and 145.7 BTC have been taken overall in fees in the last 24 hours. We've had another 12% drop of hash rate. That brings us all the way down to 107.58 exahashes per second. And nobody else has gained, okay? It's not like they ran over to, like, I don't know what else, Ethereum, Bcash, Litecoin, BSV, and Ethereum Classic. Everything is down. All mining is down. Like Ethereum is down a scant, but let's see, was Bcash is down damn near 20%. Uh, let's see, Litecoin is down 10%. Uh, BSV is down 16%. Not that there was anything there to begin with. I mean, Dogecoin, everybody's taking a hit on hash rate. So it's not like these miners were, you know, they switched into, you know, mining another protocol. They just got turned off. Okay, so keep that in mind. But Ethereum is at 396, Bcash is at 261, Litecoin is at 57 and a quarter, BSV is at 173 and a half, Ethereum Classic is at five and a half, and Dogecoin took it on the chin and is back down to where Dogecoin always is at 0.0026 cents or dollars. Sorry, yeah. Uh, So that would be, oh God, yeah, that's like, that's, but the thing about Dogecoin is that. Even though that's like just a shit price, there's like tons of, there's tons in circulation. But it's always, I always see it at 0.002624 and 27 and 28. But most of the time it's sitting right there at 26. I got to say, for a shit coin, and it is, it's a shit coin, 
<clears throat> it's got to be one of the most stable shit coins I've ever seen. We might as well use it as its stable coin at this point, right? So Clark Moody's got 86,000 transactions is waiting are waiting to clear, and that's going to take 48 blocks. And from what I understand from Matt O'Dell in a tweet that we did not clear the backlog of transactions over the weekend like we normally do. That's a signal, okay? So Clark Moody is looking at a price of 13,422. That means that $1 of dirty icky fiat's going to get you 7,453 sats. When sat dollar parity. That's all I want to know, man. Total capacity of the Lightning network right now is 1,042.14 BTC and that's now 14 million dollars worth of liquidity. That's going to be spread across 7,530 Lightning nodes with a total of 35,822 channels. Tor capacity has crept up. Uh, let's see, it is at 50.4%, and that means that there is 525.12 BTC in the Tor side of the Liquid Network, and that's going to be running over 2,490 Tor nodes. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the snooze you can use. Let's start this one with Nazi Bank of Banks, the BIS, to trial digital currency by year's end. The Bank of International Settlements is a Nazi bank. Was a Nazi bank a long time ago, but that's a story for another time. But let that sink in, and it actually, if you dig into the history, it gets even worse. An executive at the Bank of International, or Bank for International Settlements, the BIS, a consortium that comprises most of the world's top central banks said today that BIS is working on a central bank digital currency pilot with Switzerland's central bank. Quote, by the end of this year, we plan to publish our first wholesale CBDC proof of concept with the Swiss central bank, said Benoit Coyier, head of the BIS's innovation hub in a speech at the Shanghai Bund Summit. God, Jesus. So first they laugh at you and then they spin up their own shitcoin. Wholesale CBDCs are central bank digital currencies held by banks. Theoretically, they'd facilitate cheaper transactions and greater security. Decrypt reach out to the PIS and the National Bank of Switzerland and we will update the story with any responses. Don't expect any. The central bank digital currencies differ from cryptocurrencies in so much as they're not decentralized. <laughs> duh. It actually spells out duh. <laughs> And sometimes don't rely on a blockchain, but they're similar in so much that they loosely take inspiration from Bitcoin and distributed ledger technology. About 80% of the world's top central banks are, are at least considering them, according to a January report by the BIS. Quote, looking ahead, we plan to build on central banks experience with the cross-border use of CBDCs, including with the Hong Kong Monetary Authority and the Bank of Thailand, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, and with the Swiss National Bank, said Collier. Collier said that this work will pave the way for retail versions of CBDCs, a.k.a. digital cash, and inform others, other central banks' design for CBDCs and help work out how CBDCs would link up with each other. Quote, this, sounds com <clears throat> this complex technical work is above all directed to practical solutions rather than conceptual research of recent years. Hold the frickin' phone. Again, it's too technical for you. The, it's complex technical work, okay? You... Frickin' plebs have no hope of understanding what we're... They're doing it again. Okay, I've said it before. <clears throat> Modern finance in all of its forms is not hard. Okay, we've been taught to believe that it's above our pay grade. That only a professional that's taken all three of those examinations to be a trader or whatever can understand what a derivative is. You're too stupid. to under They're doing it again. This complex technical work is above all directed to practical solutions. But it's complex and it's, it's technical, but it's going to be practical. They're lying to you. They are lying. And in fact, they may be lying because they have absolutely no clue what they're doing. 
and that would not surprise me in the least. Corrier noted that China is leading the way with its own CBDC, a digital wand, which is on the cusp of being released. Through collaboration, we can learn. <laughs> collaboration. Yeah, you can commit war too, you freaking Nazis. Corrier said that CBDC would neither be a revolution nor usher in a new age of prosperity, nor solve major societal issues. Incidentally, all things claimed by some proponents of regular cryptocurrencies. Instead, they'd be a better form of money that would support a more diverse payment ecosystem and provide a more global public good. All the commons. In a separate speech at the summit, Tom Mutton, director of fintech for the Bank of England, which is considering CBDCs, quote, with interest, end quote, called for collaboration. Quote, central banks need to partner with a broad range of stakeholders given the breadth of issues presented by CBDC. He said, we can't go it alone. Well, I hope you end up all linking arms singing kumbaya as you run over the cliff, pal. British fintech firm opening physical crypto bank branches in India. Cointelegraph's Turner Wright is going to be telling you about this new venture. <clears throat> According to an October 26th announcement from Kasha, that's C-A-S-H-A-A, the fintech firm will be partnering with India's United Multi-State Credit Cooperative Society to build a crypto-friendly financial institution called Unicas. This new venture will reportedly include 34 physical branches and operations in northern India, including the cities of Delhi and Gujarat, and the state of Rajasthan. Yeah, you know I can't pronounce this shit. However, the fintech firm stated that it planned to expand to 100 physical branches where users can access crypto products by next year. Earlier this month, Kasha India stated that it would allow Indian businesses and individuals to open a savings account to buy, store, and save cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, God, XRP, and its native token CAS. The firm also reportedly will allow customers to use their crypto holdings as collateral for loans and to buy crypto with local fiat currency. In addition, Cash has stated it would retrofit the United's existing locations into crypto education centers. Quote, most Indians are not aware or are misinformed about cryptocurrency as an online paint product, and they tend to trust what they see or what the government recognizes and recommends, said Cash's CEO Kumar Gurav. India is still largely a cash-based economy despite a demonetization drive. We intend to address both issues, which are slowing the process of cryptocurrency adoption, end quote. <clears throat> In September, reports circulated stating that the Indian federal cabinet was considering a law banning crypto six months after courts lifted a previous blanket ban. However, when India's parliament convened during its monsoon session last month, no regulators reportedly proposed bills calling for such a law. Siddharth Sagani, founder of Indian blockchain research company Kribako, labeled reports calling for a new crypto ban as clickbait. Nice. The Cassia CEO also stated he believed media reports on a possible crypto ban are speculative stories and regulations will most likely not be a hurdle for Cassia India to offer crypto services to its users. The next time the Indian Parliament is usually scheduled to convene is in November for its winter session. So there you go. I don't, you know, we still don't know what the hell India is going to do. That's all this boils down to. But at least somebody's doing something. I mean, the fact that they're offering Ethereum and XRP is, you know, unfun, especially the XRP. Oh, God, that's talk about getting to the, you're scraping the bottom there. But, but, um, <clears throat> India is ripe for this kind of stuff. And the, I mean, you're talking like, what? what is it now, 1.3, 1.4 billion people in India? And they honor cash and gold, okay? That's, that's sort of the mentality that we're looking for here. I mean, I'm always looking at Africa. The reason I don't look at India, at, at India that much is because nobody knows what the hell India is going to do with this stuff. They ban it, they unban it, they try to ban it again. They, you know, there. I, I know one thing. It was one of the the way this rumor popped up about another blanket ban coming up was one of their central bankers, absolutely screaming like their head guy, absolutely screaming at Parliament to stop this shit. And I'm not sure if Parliament is interested. Although, who can say? Because India did take away what was it the 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 200 and 500 rupee notes just overnight said they're not worth anything anymore. 
you never know what these guys are going to pull. Okay, so take everything India says with a huge grain of salt, which you can find in plentiful supply on Bitcoin Twitter right now. Asian banks DBS or Asian Bank DBS jumps the gun with Bitcoin trading announcement. <laughs> Oopsies. Adriana Homaker is writing this for Decrypt.co sometime earlier this morning. Says, DBS, the largest bank in Southeast Asia by way of assets, has published and then removed an announcement that it's launching a fiat to cryptocurrency exchange for Bitcoin, Ethereum, and you guessed it, XRP. The hastily deleted announcement revealed that DBS Digital Exchange is backed by the Singapore-based commercial and retail bank, and by the Monetary Authority of Singapore. So this apparently came out and then was immediately, immediately taken back. Uh, let's see, there's, there's a, a screenshot, Fiat Minimalist, or that's at Fiat Minimalist on Twitter, uh, seems to have been one of the first people to take a snapshot of this from the DBS website itself. And it said... Uh, there's two things that frequently at this is part of a frequently asked questions. It's like, how do I apply to be a member of the DBS digital exchange? And then he's expanded the second one that has the answer to this question. What can we trade on DBS digital exchange? And it's BTC SGD uh, against uh, the Hong Kong dollar, the USD, the Japanese yen, uh, BCH against SGD, the Hong Kong dollar, the United States dollar, the Japanese yen, ETH against all of them, and XRP against all of them. So that's a fairly large bag. According to the announcement, the exchange will not hold any cryptocurrencies. Quote, unlike most digital exchanges today, DBS digital currency does not hold any digital assets. Instead, all digital assets are kept at DBS Bank, which is globally recognized for its custodial services. <clears throat> The bank has deployed an institutional-grade custody solution, DBS Digital Custody, to safeguard customer assets, as it said in its announcement. DBS Digital Exchange also plans to support security tokens, which are listed cryptographic tokens backed by real assets such as equities, physical properties, fixed income instruments, and even fine art in the future. Industry observers welcomed the news, well, before the announcement was removed, that is, the Quote, this will immediately become the easiest on-ramp for those who bank in Singapore, tweeted Shu Zhu, CEO of Singapore-based cryptocurrency fund Three Arrows Capital. Quote, not sure if the BTC is transferable yet, but regardless, a step in the right direction, said Shengpeng Zhao, CEO of the Binance, largest cryptocurrency exchange by market cap. The DBS move uh, complements a string of good tidings hitting the cryptocurrency industry recently. Last week, PayPal announced it would integrate crypto. Earlier this month, MicroStrategy uh, bought a shit ton and uh, Jack Dorsey's mobile payment firm Square also bought a shit ton, but not as much of a shit ton as MicroStrategy. We all know that. So let's move on to the future of marketing to stupid people. That's my take on this one by Jeff Benson for Decrypt.co. Audius distributes crypto to RAC Dead mouse listeners uh, with 50 million audio tokens. Oh, God this was yesterday, apparently. Audius, the blockchain-based music platform that launched with a star-studded concert featuring Dead Mouse and RAC, must think the party is just getting started. On Friday, it retroactively sent 50 million in audio tokens to the top. 10,000 artists and fans on the platform, which includes big names such as Deadmau5, RAC, and Skrillex. Audius is a streaming platform akin to Spotify. However, it contends that streaming platforms in the music industry model as a whole are broken. Well, they're not wrong there. According to the Audius white paper, quote, the music industry generates $43 billion in revenue, but only 12% of it goes to content artists, end quote. The audio governance token... <laughs> allows holders to vote on the future of the platform as well as unlock access to artists via Discord server. Oh, Jesus. The, start, the stated idea is to disintermediate the music industry and rebalance power towards the artists. With its token launch, Audius explicitly sampled Uniswap, the decentralized exchange that airdropped historical users with Uni governance tokens at launch. The 50 million audio were not evenly distributed, but instead sent based on a formula that took into account how much of an artist's content was streamed 
plus follower count, playlist, and song favorites, as well as songs reposted. The formula heavily favored artists with over 90% of tokens sent their way and the rest going to fans. However, Friday's distribution uh, is just 5% of the initial token supply of $1 billion. <laughs> Jesus. A further 406 million go to Audius's team and advisors, some of whom are artists, including the aforementioned Dead Mouse and RAC. <clears throat> Another 360 million head to investors and 178 million earmarked for a treasury that the community controls. Shows you the stupidity. Mm. Oh. Okay, so th- th- wh- why read a shitcoin story? I think that this that this is like a model that you're going to see a lot of. Just dumping some ridiculously stupid token on the heads of people who don't know any better. I mean, if the if the future of marketing is this stupid, then we're in for a wild ride and people are just going to get they're going to get their asses handed to them because like what just wait just wait until Audius announces that their audio token will be yield farmable just wait i it'll happen they'll they'll just flick they'll flip a switch or something i mean god only knows how any of that crap works in the first damn place because it's all unverifiable but you know you you heard it here first. I'll bet you audio goes into the whole whole yield farming bullshit, just like all the rest of them. And people are going to get wrecked. And those people that got all the tokens dumped on them are going to be thinking that they're all going to be all rich and they're going to love their artist even more. And it's all just a bunch of BS. Okay, this is just stupid, but it's going to happen. And you got to be prepared for it because it's just going to get worse from here. I'm, I am still surprised that I'm not seeing personal tokens proliferate like DeFi had, had uh, proliferated, like like David Coin or Nunya Business Coin or any like. I mean, we. I mean, I can spin up at, like as many tokens as I want right freaking now, and it won't make a damn bit of difference. But the fact that I can means that others will, and they will market it to their poor, dumb, stupid followers. So I'm not all that I'm not all that happy of the fact that Dead Mouse and Skrillex is is in on this. I would hope that they would take the higher ground, but uh, you know what do you expect? So Vitalik Buterin, mm, he says he's not sure when two point when ETH 2.0, but he says clients can launch it alone if they want. Sayad Fidil Plasic is writing this for CryptoNews.com. When sometime this morning, Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin does not know when the second iteration of the network might be going live, but said that in theory, clients can launch it on their own. Two weeks, TM. One of the most asked questions in the crypto space, particularly this year, has been when ETH 2.0. After being pushed back. Several times, the exact date of the launch of Ethereum 2.0, a.k.a. Serenity, is still up in the air. Not even the project's co-founders know when it might be coming, with numerous supporters arguing uh, arguing others for patience. That's how the sentence reads. Answering a when ETH 2.0 question, Buterin replied with, quote, dunno, end quote. But then he added that, quote, theoretically, if the client teams get too angry at us for not saying, quote, ship it, they could just do it themselves. Shrug, end quote. My God, he sounds like he's getting pissed, man. Buterin is suggesting that even if, oh, sorry, Buterin has suggested that even if the project founders and researchers do not give an official green light for the phase zero of ETH 2.0 to go live, the clients could launch it anyway. Per uh, Ethereum.org, a client is an implementation of Ethereum that verifies all transactions in each block, keeping the network secure and the data accurate. When we discuss ETH 2.0, particularly when reporting on the test nets, we often talk about Prism, Lighthouse, Nimbus, and Teku clients. <clears throat> and Buterin's response from above seems to have also been a response to a report that decrypt, or by Decrypt that smart contract auditing company Quantstamp completed their audit of Teku, which is ETH 2.0 client for institutional staking developed by ETH-focused blockchain company Consensus. 
Per their statement, ETH 2.0 is on track to deliver phase zero in the very near future, QuantStamp CEO Richard Ma was quoted as saying. He also reportedly added that client teams have spent countless hours coordinating, testing, and working with auditing firms to ensure that the foundation of Ethereum 2.0 is ready for delivery. It's further said that the company found the code base to be, quote, of the highest quality, man. And that the Teku team resolved reported issues quickly, including missing validation logic, errors that could have potentially resulted in clients falling out of sync, and an unlimited inbound messaging queue which may have left individual nodes open to DDoS attacks. Just a week ago, as CryptoNews.com reported, ETH 2.0 and consensus developer Ben Edgington said that the protocol's deposit contract might be ready for launch any day now. This will be a major step before the ETH 2.0 Phase 0 launch. However, according to the Ethereum Foundation researcher Danny Ryan, it will not go live before it passes an audit of a crypto or critical crypto library, BLST, performed by cryptography audit firm NCC Group, which may happen in early or mid-November. That said, the community seems to want the Phase 0 liftoff by the end of the year, as Ethereum 2.0 researcher Justin Drake said several months ago, commenting that, quote, the community wants Phase 0 Genesis in 2020, not one day late, end quote. Oh, God, dumpster fire, man. That's just going to be a dumpster fire. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Daily Train Wrecked, brought to you by Harvest Finance, who says, please blacklist these addresses. Thank you. Yeah, they're crying to daddy. This uh, particular tweet, which was sent yesterday, is actually has the following in the at lines. At Binance, Coinbase, Huobi Global, OKX, Kraken FX, FTX underscore official, Bitfinex, and Bitrix Exchange. Now, the Kraken FX one was funny. Yes, Jess Powell of Twitter, which is Jesse Powell, the CEO of Kraken FX, which is one of the companies that was being cried to by Harvest, has this to say in response. Stop fucking up your bullshit DeFi scams and expecting exchanges to bail you out. I will not accept your attempt at externalizing the cost of your hasty, reckless rollout. Invest in audits, insurance, and please do your own research. Taking your losses is the only way to enlightenment. Oh, yeah, that's exactly exactly what those assholes deserve to hear, man. This is all bullshit, okay? The, the amount of stupid... In, remember remember when Lightning first started up and hashtag reckless was being bandied about, and yet nothing even remotely approaching this level of bullshit ever occurred on the Lightning Network. No, we, there was not millions lost. This is, be, I, you know, I want to have faith in humanity, but every single time that I do, humanity lets me down. It doesn't make me somebody who hates humans. I mean, for the most part, all the people that I know are pretty good Joes, but man, when Jesse Powell actually has to tweet out the fact that don't come to not come crying to daddy when you get your ass handed to you, that's pretty bad, man. That's pretty bad. So I, you know, I think Harvest Finance is, is a, I think it's going to die. I, you know, well, dying in this space basically means being turned into a zombie, but you get what I'm saying. Anyway, that's going to do it for the train wrecked. Dad says, joke's bringing you this one. I can't tell you all Japanese history in one joke, but I can samurize. Yeah, that's going to do it for me. It is zero degrees outside here in the panhandle of Texas, and we have a sleet storm going on. The kids are delayed uh, 
the kids' schools are delayed. I think Amarillo is pretty much, I think they're toast. I was up there uh, last night looking for pumpkins, of all things. And, I mean, it, we're talking sheet ice. So, if for whatever reason, if you're like an Amarillo listener, oh, God, be careful. Because today, I mean, it was terrible yesterday. And that was yesterday when it was 22 degrees. It is now maybe two degrees outside, maybe. Last I checked was about 15 minutes ago, and it was zero. We're supposed to have it high of 24 degrees. So if you are anywhere close to the panhandle of Texas, dude, do not be jacking around on the roads, right? Because yesterday was just terrible up in, in Amarillo proper. So yeah, be careful, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.